Hey there, UCC. Megan here, offering another re-recording of our sermon message from Sunday Worship. This sermon was preached on February 4th. That's today, 2024, and we're having some tech challenges. So I am offering the re-recording with the hopes that it might bless those who hear it. And today we are talking about transformative encounters We're continuing along in Mark's gospel, and I want to invite you to consider some ways that Jesus creates transformative encounters. And in our passage this morning from Mark's gospel, we're going to see Jesus encounter God's people in three different settings. I see three distinct scenes in the passage for this morning. We're going to see Jesus in a private or what we might call a more personal setting. We are going into the home of two of his disciples this morning. We're going to see another scene where Jesus is centered in a very public setting, a large gathering, a large crowd of people will come around him. And then we're even going to find Jesus this morning in a hidden place and see what unfolds when his disciples seek to encounter him in this setting as well. And as we explore the scripture here together, my hope is that we will see the ways Jesus brings transformation into the lives of all who encounter him. That Jesus brings transformation into every place he goes. And by seeing this, as we discover that in our scripture passage for this morning, I want to encourage you, the listener, uh, I want to encourage you as well to take a closer look at your own life and to notice the ways you have already had transformative encounters with Jesus, I want you to remember those. And I hope to encourage you to consider new ways as well, new possibilities for fresh encounters in your life today. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and read the passage. And as I do, uh, pay attention to where Jesus shows up. Notice the settings where these encounters take place. Pay attention to who is present, who are the actors or the players, so to speak, in these scenes. And then notice what happens when Jesus shows up, what actually transpires, what transformation occurs. So Mark 1, starting with verses 29, and I'll go to verse 39. I'm reading from the NRSV today. It goes like this. As soon as they left the synagogue, that's Jesus and his disciples, They entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sunset, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place. And there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, everyone is searching for you. He answered, let us go on to the neighboring town so that I may proclaim the message there also. For that is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. So Jesus comes into the home of two of his disciples. Our where is the house of a couple fishermen and their kin, Andrew and Peter. 
And they invite Jesus into their their home where they tell Jesus that Peter's mother-in-law is sick in bed. And it appears we have at least five different people here. We have Peter, we have Andrew, we have James, we have John, and we have Peter's mother-in-law. Is Peter's wife there? Maybe. The text doesn't say. But we can assume that this is a small, intimate group of people who have gathered in this home. And here's the action. Jesus goes to Peter's mother-in-law. He grabs her hand. He lifts her up. And then the fever leaves her. And after that, she tends to them. She cares for those who are in her home. So what do you notice about this encounter? What happens when Jesus shows up in this home amongst this small gathering of people? Let's first take a closer look at the nature of the healing. The text says that Jesus approaches Peter's mother-in-law, touches her, and lifts her. The fever subsides and she begins to serve her guests. What does this tell us about the kind of healing that Jesus is after? Once Jesus heals her of fever, this woman doesn't stay put, does she? She doesn't say, thanks, Jesus. (laughs) Have a great day. See you next week in synagogue. The lift that Jesus provides Peter's mother-in-law seems to strengthen her so much so that she can get out of bed and tend to and care for those around her. I think this is a really important detail that tells us something about the kind of healing that Jesus brings to those who have an encounter with him. When Jesus does some healing in our own lives, when he does something to restore us into wholeness, we are restored for our own sakes, absolutely, because God cares about all of his people, each and every one of us. And we are restored, we are revived, we are made new so that we can also get about the good work of caring for others, being little Christs, Christians, as it were, in the world. The healing touch of Jesus, the text says, literally lifts this woman. Can you think of a time in your own life where Jesus showed up and the reason you could tell this was true was because you experienced some kind of lift, some kind of levity or some kind of strength. I was having coffee with a friend earlier this week and he gave me permission to share this story. Uh, But my friend told me about an encounter he had with Jesus some 9, 10, 11 years ago or so now. He was working outdoors in the middle of summer. It was a hot July day and he was doing some manual labor, doing some yard work. And my friend was having what he described as one of those existential crisis moments, you know the kinds, where we are asking questions like, what am I doing with my life? Where is this all going? Who am I? And my friend said that almost out of nowhere, as he's moving dirt and wrestling with big life questions, he hears this still, small, quiet voice, clear as day, that simply said, turn your face to the wind. Turn your face to the wind, which is a curious thing to hear. But my friend was outdoors, so it was easy enough for him to do this. And so he turned his face into the direction of the breeze and at that moment caught the perfect, coolest, most refreshing gust of wind. A welcome source of reprieve, as you can imagine, on a July day. 
And just earlier this week, as my friend was describing this moment to me with joy in his eyes and a lightness in his face, he said that this moment, this encounter with our God, who often comes in a whisper, was just enough, just enough to lighten the load of those big questions, at least for that day, at least for that afternoon, bringing some lift, bringing some solace. One of the sure signs of a brush with divine presence is the peace that follows. And like the woman in our story, my friend in that moment was able to get out from under the weight of existential fever and get back to the work of caring for the space around him. Can you think of any experiences in your own life where a brush with divine presence provided you some levity some lift, some wind in the sails, just enough to enable you to get back to you or get about the good work of caring for the people and places right in front of you. I want to invite you to dig back into your own story this week. See what you see from your own experience with this. Let's look at what happens next. Notice what happens to our setting. Pay attention to the physical surroundings here in this next scene. Verses 32 through 34, after the sun goes down, which marks the end of the Sabbath, people begin bringing Jesus, their friends, their family members, their neighbors, all of these people who are sick and are demon-possessed. And the text says, verse 33, the whole city was gathered around the door. Can you imagine that? What a scene. What happens to this very ordinary space, the dwelling space of a couple fishermen? when Jesus is centered within it, it is transformed into quite an extraordinary place. An ordinary home is transformed into a place of very holy ground, a setting for miracles. The scripture tells us that the whole town comes to him, the whole town descends upon this house, and Jesus begins curing the many who were afflicted with disease and or demons. All those who encounter Jesus are cured. A couple weeks ago, Jeremiah uh, introduced us to this idea of a thin place. Thin places are these seemingly everyday places where we sense heaven and earth move just a little bit closer. When have you experienced these kinds of places? Can you think of any moments in your own life where an ordinary place was transformed into a most extraordinary place? Where the atmosphere shifted and became thinner in some way? A couple years ago on All Souls Day, DJ and I hosted a little campfire in our front yard. And about a dozen or so folks gathered around to mark this occasion of All Souls. Some of you might know All Souls is a day where some believers set aside time to remember loved ones departed or to commemorate those we've lost through prayer and other vigils. And as I think about that evening, I remember this feeling of real heaviness. And it wasn't a bad time by any means. There was lovely people around that campfire. But it was just heavy, I think, because of the nature of what our friends were sharing, even what I was sharing. It had been a year of a lot of loss and some very difficult and sad losses. And as the evening went on, I don't recall that feeling of sorrow or lament necessarily leaving me. But I do remember a shift in the atmosphere. It was as if the more loss people shared aloud... The more space we gave for those stories to be told, the closer we came into some kind of alignment, both with each other and, I think, with God's own heart for the world, which I tend to believe grieves and laments right along with ours. 
And something shifted and it felt sacred right there in our yard on a Thursday night. This, I think, is a thin space moment. I can recall another time sitting in my car with a friend right over here behind the high school that sits behind the church building. And my friend was really having a hard time. She was navigating a lot of difficulty, a number of personal things, family things were going on with her that were just weighing her down. And with everything going on in my friend's life, before we went into the meeting, that's why we were here together in the neighborhood for a church meeting. Before we went into that church meeting, she just needed to get some tears out. And so we sat in my little Ford Focus for five, 10, 15 extra minutes, and she just wept. And I remember thinking, I am not sure what to do here. I'm not sure what I could say, what I could possibly say that would bring comfort. And so all I knew how to do was just try my best to stay present. And I think I might've touched her arm at one point or something. And eventually I just prayed silently, God be with her, God be with us. Now there is nothing particularly extraordinary about the interior of my car, nor is there anything I'd call holy about a high school parking lot. But my friend still talks about that time in my car. And she talks about that moment as one of the more acute times in her life where she felt the healing presence of the Lord just show up in holy silence. This too, I think, is a thin space moment. Sometimes the most ordinary places, like the home of a couple fishermen, can transform into places of extraordinary encounter with Jesus where we sense God's presence and power truly with us. Can you think of any places that you've wandered into along your journey that have become places of encounter, even in their ordinariness? Or might this example in our passage this morning give us new imagination for what's possible in the seemingly ordinary places that we dwell every day? Some of you might remember it's been about a year ago here in our region of the world at Asbury University or Asbury Seminary. Something extraordinary happened in the space of an ordinary chapel that morning, that week, for several weeks, where thousands gathered to taste something. When Jesus shows up, when Jesus is centered, amazing things can happen anywhere. And I believe that with my whole being. Let's explore this final scene, verses 35 through 39, where Jesus goes off to a solitary place. He goes to a deserted place. And let's see what unfolds when his disciples set out to find him. The scripture says that in the early morning hours, Jesus gets up and goes off to be alone with the Father. He wanders off to pray. We see Jesus do this a lot. And verse 36 has become my new favorite little verse. It's so short and sweet. It just says, Simon and his companions hunted for him. Simon and his companions hunted for him. Jesus' disciples go after him. They seek him. And let me pause right here for a moment because I don't want to miss a very obvious, very key component of our lives of encounter with Jesus. Sometimes Jesus just shows up. Sometimes we have to make room, we have to invite him to show up and trust that he will. And sometimes we have to really seek him out. We have to hunt for him. I wonder how many of you listening have ever experienced a time where you've heard yourself say, God, where are you? 
I know I have more times than I care to admit. God, where are you? How many of you listening have ever experienced a time of prolonged or sustained spiritual dryness or what we might call the hiddenness of God? I just want to say that that feeling of distance from Jesus and dare I say even being distant from Jesus as we see in our passage is a normal part of the spiritual journey. It is a normal part of discipleship. Sometimes that distance can be easily repaired. We can follow the lead of Peter and his crew, as we see here in the scripture this morning, and seek him more earnestly. Seek Jesus. And Jesus himself tells us to do that, right? Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Sometimes that distance we feel isn't as easy to fix, but it doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. There is a well-documented long-endured aspect of the Christian walk, sometimes referred to as dark night of the soul, whereby even the most faithful of faithful followers of Jesus experience a long-lasting distance from the God they love. And I don't want to drag us into a rabbit hole this morning. That's not the primary topic that I want us to focus on from the message today. But I do just want to acknowledge the existence of longer periods of hiddenness, that I think we need to give more voice to in the church because it's real. And sustained periods of feeling distant from God may have nothing to do with anything you're doing or not doing. But rather, it could be an invitation from Christ into deeper life with him. I'm just going to stick a pin in that topic for now. Maybe we'll circle back to it someday in a future teaching. And certainly, if you think you may be in one of those seasons, please come find me and let's chat. I'd love to share resources or just be a friend for you through that. For now, back to the focus for this morning. Let's look at what transpires, what happens when Jesus' disciples encounter him in this hidden place. Once they find him, Jesus basically says, it's time to move on. (laughs) Pack your bags. We're going from this place to the next one. Now, what do you make of that? When we encounter Jesus, be that through a quiet whisper in the woods or be that through a series of miraculous moments in the public square, we won't stay where we are too long. Something will change in our lives. When we encounter Jesus, something will change in our lives. It might be a newfound impulse for action. A calling to channel God's heart and go act and move in the world. It might be a newfound courage to respond to calling. Maybe there's something God's been nudging in you, developing you for many months or many years, and you finally find the freedom to say yes. It might be a new boldness for mission, new hope, new joy that overflows from you that must be shared, must be proclaimed. It might be a deeper invitation to trust or a deeper invitation to rest. It might be something even much deeper still, a root of bitterness, a root of resentment, a root of unforgiveness that finally starts to shake loose. When we encounter Jesus, when we seek him with our whole self, heart, mind, soul, and strength, expect transformation of some kind to happen in your life. One of my favorite scenes is at the end of John's Gospel when Mary Magdalene finds Jesus outside the tomb. She finds him and he's alive. And Jesus says, Mary, 
Do not hold on to me. Do not cling to me. But he says, go, go to my brothers, go to the others, tell them what's going down. And off Mary runs. She cannot stay put. When we encounter Jesus, we will not stay static. Things will change. Maybe an outward-facing change, something obvious to others around us, or it might be a more inward-facing change, something between us and God. But we won't stay in the same place. New ground and new terrain will be covered. Can you think of a time in your life where an encounter with Jesus implored a radical, substantive, meaningful, amazing change in your life? Or are you longing for that kind of encounter? It's okay to admit that, too. How do we know if or when we've had an encounter with Jesus? We will receive a lift, strength back into dry bones, levity that moves us. And here's the important part. Levity that moves us towards others. We'll sense a change in atmosphere. Ordinary places will transform. They will become thinner. And we won't stay where we were. The Spirit will impress a change of some kind upon us. These are some of the signs of encounter with Jesus. Not all of them, but a few. So my hope, as I said at the top of the message here today in exploring this passage with you, is that you would experience these encounters that we see in God's Word with new eyes. And in doing so, be encouraged to take a closer look at your own lives, to see encounters that you've already experienced, to remember them, and to hold on to them for what they are, important stepping stones in your life of faith. And to stay open to new possibilities for fresh encounters with Jesus today. God is moving. Jesus is alive. May we be people who live expectantly keeping our eyes and our hearts open for these daily moments of revelation and seeing our whole lives as one opportunity after another for encounters with Jesus. May you go in peace into your weeks to love and serve the Lord. Amen.